0: listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org.
1: So this week we had three funerals that were related to our church, and I attended all three of them. One was a guy who was a retired minister named Tommy Burton, he was 97 years old. Another was a lady named Maureen Dickerson, she was up in years as well, and then the third was a lady named Jean McGrady. And all three of these people made a decision earlier in their lives about the path they were going to follow. So all three of them said, I'm going to follow Jesus passionately and faithful with my life. And so when I was at G. McGrady's funeral on Tuesday morning and I was sharing at that funeral, I said, you know what's interesting to me is that nobody here, nobody in the room is asking themselves, so I wonder where the path, that Gene McGrady chose has taken her. Because every one of us had this great sense of confidence that Gene McGrady today is with the Lord. If she's not with the Lord, then nobody's with the Lord. So, I think three weeks ago, I showed you a book by a guy whose name is Andy Stanley called The Principle of the Path. And, and I want you to read the book really bad. I think I said something like this. If you have a teenager in your house, it should be mandatory reading. We will feed you again after we know that you've read the book. And, and then I said something about maybe we will return your phone after you've read the book. And that got a really bad review for most most of the teenagers. But it is that good of a book. And so I want you to read it so bad. Here's what we're going to do. For the next four weeks, starting in chapter 3 today... Um, I will preach from the passage, not the book, but from the passage that he discusses, okay? And then next week, chapter 4, next week, chapter 5, the next week, chapter 6. And I want you to buy the book. Many of you are in small groups right now, and you're asking the question, so what are we going to do next? And in the worship folder that you were given when you came in the door on the very back, there is a study guide for small groups for this sermon this morning. There will be over those next four weeks. So, Buy the book. Go through it with me. So here's his main premise. You ready? He says that the paths that we choose in life have very predictable destinations. So I I want so desperately for you to engage with me. I want you to repeat these words after me, okay? The paths that we choose in life have very predictable destinations. So you might even want to check out your worship folder and where there's sermon notes, write write that down. So so here is what he's talking about. So like in in finances, most of us have chosen a path. All of us have chosen a path. And and some of you are saying that if I stay on the financial path that I'm on right now, by the time that I retire, I will have this much money to, to live on. Some of you are saying if I stay on the financial path that I'm on right now, money is always going to be very hard. Money is going to be very difficult. Now, there's some of you are sitting in front of me and right now you're looking at me and you're saying, Pastor Rick, years ago we made a decision that 10% of every dollar that we made was not ours. We never considered it ours. We considered that the tithe. That 10% was God's money and we always returned that money to God. And we tried to money manage money as best we could, but when it came to money, it was always about a trust relationship with God. And that's the path that you've stayed on all of these years. So Stanley would say it's true in relationships. You've chosen a path. If I stay on the path that I'm on right now in regard to my relationship with my wife, Annette, I can see where this is going. We're going to grow old together. We're going to be happy together. We're going to love each other more deeply. He says it's also true in terms of morality. You're on a path right now. You've chosen it. You've chosen to be a person of integrity or you've chosen not to be a person of integrity. You've chosen to be a person of sexual purity or you've chosen not to be a person of sexual purity. And he says that path that you're on has a very predictable destination because direction determines destination. Every time. I always end up where the road that I've chosen takes me. Every time. I always end up where the road that I've chosen takes me. And so what I want you to do is grab a Bible and open it with me this morning to the book of Proverbs. And I want to talk to you about a young man who made a choice to walk down a particular path. And it had a very predictable destination. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6. Now, if you're kind of new to carrying a Bible, just let your Bible fall open to the very middle. And Proverbs is going to be very close by, okay? And we're in chapter 7 and we're in verse 6. And I promise you, you will not struggle to pay close attention to the Scripture reading this morning. Here we go. At the window of my house. So Solomon is writing 3,000 years ago. And he says, one day, I'm looking out the window of my house, and I look down through the lattice, and this is what I saw. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men. Now, how many young men are in the room this morning? So, if you're single and you're not yet 26 years old, so would you just raise your hand really high. Single, not yet 26 years old, raise your hand. Lots of you guys here this morning. So, here's what he said when I saw this young man. He had no sense. So how many of you would say, some days I feel like I have no sense? Yeah. So anyway, let's keep going. He was going down the street near near her corner. Oh, it's about her. Yeah, it's about her. And it says, walking along in the direction of her house. Walking along in the direction of her house at twilight. And the day was fading as the dark of night set in. Then out come a woman to meet him. She was dressed like a prostitute. With a crafty intent, she was unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. And she took hold of him and she kissed him. With a brazen face she said, Today I fulfilled my vows and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and I found you. Hey, I was hoping I would run into you. I've been thinking about you. You've been on my mind today. I was hoping I would see you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloe, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He's gone away for a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him. And with her smooth, smooth talk, all at once, he followed her. But, but listen to the description, okay? Because if you're watching this on a movie, it's kind of like, whoa, everybody's heart is beating fast. I mean, she wants him. I think they're going to sleep together. But the Word of God sees it all very differently. He followed her like a sheep, like an ox rather, going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now listen to the instruction. Are you ready? Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray to her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. This is God's word for us today. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let me just talk to you from my heart for a moment. I remember um, meeting with a guy who was older than I am now. And he had committed adultery against his wife. He had been sleeping with a young a, a, a woman rather, who was much younger than he was. And so when he ends up in my office, we have one goal. To try to see how much of his life he can salvage. Is there any hope of the marriage being saved? Is there any hope of him maintaining relationships with his kids? Because they are ticked off and I remember in the conversation saying to him I gotta ask you a question all of these years you've gone to church and I believe that you've intended to follow Jesus and you've raised your kids and you've got grandkids and you've been faithful to your wife all along I said why now He was ashamed. He was really sorry. And he looks at me and he says, well, pastor, as far as I know, this was my first opportunity. If this had been available to me earlier in my life, I didn't see it. then he says, if this was my first test, I failed miserably. I was a sucker. Do you know why I want to talk about this today? I want to talk about this today because every one of us, there are no exceptions in the room. Every one of us in our future will be tempted to choose a path that is very destructive. That's why it's so important today that we talk about this somewhat uncomfortable subject, okay? Because every one of us in our future are going to be tempted to choose a destructive path. And the reason that I know that is because the Bible tells me that you have an enemy. And the Bible tells me the name of the enemy. He says, your enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to somebody to destroy. In other words, he wants to devour, destroy your life. And when you think about this story, that's exactly what happens. You've got a lady who is married, but she dresses herself like a prostitute. She comes out onto the street because she's hoping this young man will come by. Obviously, she's been winking at him. She says to him, my husband is out of town. He's not going to be home for a while. Why don't you come in? i prepared my bed. Let's make love all night long, you and me. That's what his temptation looked like. I don't know what yours is going to look like. But I promise you, in your future, you are going to be tempted to choose a very destructive path. So there's an element of the story I think we've got to talk about, okay? You got a minute? I opened my phone the other day, and I guess it was kind of by mistake I slid my phone to the side, and it says Surrey's App Suggestions, and I touched on this very black one, and it's actually a compass. I'm thinking, I didn't know I had a compass on my phone, but yeah, it's kind of neat. I like having a compass, and so if I hold the compass like this right here, uh, which way am I facing? West, that's right. And so the compass tells me that if I'm walking west and I decide that I want to turn around and walk the other way, that I would need to turn 180 degrees, okay? And if I turn 180 degrees, then I am going east, all right? So if I'm walking west, like which I'm doing right now, and I decide that I'm going to turn around and I'm not going to keep walking this direction anymore, in order to do that, I would have to turn all the way around 180 degrees and start walking the other direction, Repentance is not just about saying I'm sorry. Repentance is not just feeling guilty for some sin I've committed and I want to feel better and so I'm going to pray and tell God, hey, I'm really sorry about that. Repentance means I was going this direction and I'm so sorry for what I've done that I'm going to turn around and I'm not going to continue to go this direction any longer. Now I'm going to go this direction. And here's the deal. Without repentance, forgiveness is not a possibility. Because God knows our hearts. See, we can mumble anything from our lips that we want to mumble. But God knows what's really in our heart. And so if I say, God, you know what? I know I've been walking this direction. And, and, and I'm sorry for walking this direction. Uh, Will you forgive me, but I just keep walking this direction? God's saying, well, obviously that's not real sorrow because repentance means that you're going to turn around and now you're going to start walking this direction. And so here the lady comes out dressed like a prostitute and she says to him, I have food left from my peace offering. Do you know what that means? That means that very day she had been to the temple. That very day she had been to church. And that very day, she had made a sacrifice to God on behalf of her sins. And that very day, she had meat that she brought home that had to be eaten before sundown. And she dresses herself like a prostitute and goes outside to find a young man who will come in and eat the meal with her and make love with her all night long because her husband is out of town. And in her mind, you know what she's thinking? I will go back to the temple next week and I will make another sacrifice. And it's a narrative that I hear in my society. <clears throat> yeah, I sin. You said to yourself, we're going to be tempted, Rick, to sin. But when I sin, I just get forgiven. And then when I sin again, I get forgiven again. In fact, I'm really looking forward to some sin that I plan on doing next week. And then I'll come back and get forgiven. Here's the problem. Without repentance... Without turning from that sin and going the other direction, forgiveness is not even an option. So, Annette and I were just married. And we were living in Kansas City and I had begun working as a youth pastor at a church. And we had some friends who said, you should go with us to Grand Lake for the weekend. I said, I don't really have a Sunday off, but we could come down Friday, spend the night. The day Saturday, Saturday night, we can head back home. So there were four couples. We were all very close friends. And we go down to Grand Lake to stay in this cabin that was owned by a guy whose name is Dudley Powers. And so Saturday night, we stay as long as we can. We know we got to get home because we got to get up early the next morning. And we get in the car and we head back to Kansas City. So we think. Forty-five minutes into the drive, I'm talking like crazy like I usually do. And I see a sign that tells me that I'm closer to Oklahoma City than I've ever been in my lifetime. I've never been here. I'm going the wrong direction. I am driving the wrong way. And so that means that it's an hour and a half longer we've added to the trip to turn around and make up for that 45 minutes I drove the wrong way. And I'm saying, Annette, I'm so sorry. I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did this. We're going to get home even later now. And here's the deal. There was somewhere I wanted to be. There was somewhere that I wanted to go, but I was on a path that was taking me the other direction. And so I think the question that we have to ask this morning is what do we do with this story? And what do we do with this scripture? How do we avoid getting on the wrong path? And Solomon gives us four directives, okay? Four directives, and here they are. Number one, he says, pay attention to what I say. For what's in your life? Would you just listen to somebody? (laughs) That may be what he was saying. I mean, there's wise people around you. Why don't you just listen? There's people trying to steer you on the right path. There's people trying to help you. There's people trying to tell you what to avoid. Would you just listen to somebody? That's directive number one. Directive number two. You ready? You know what I love? I'll show you what I love. That's what I love. My two-year-old granddaughter, Sadie, I love her with all of my heart. You know what I love about that picture? Sadie's in it. That's all there needs to be. I'm nuts about Sadie. I was talking to Brittany on the phone the other day and she goes, Daddy, every night now, Sadie prays for her Ricky and her Nettie with no prompting. I said, Annette, send her some more outfits. Will you? Just send her some stuff. You know? <laughs> what do you love? No, 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 no. Can't do that. You got to answer the question, not out loud, but you got to answer it. What do you love? If I love my grandkids and my kids, what does that mean? I got to show you a quote by A.W. Tozer. Everybody in the room has got to look at this quote with me, okay? Here we go. It's coming on the screen. We are all in the process of becoming. What does he mean by that? Well, he means that we have already moved from what we were to what we are now and are now moving toward what we shall be. And everybody in the room would say to me, Rick, I understand that because I think I used to be more like this and I've become more like this. And I know that in the future I'll continue to evolve. He says not only are we in the process of becoming, big words, bold, underlined, we are becoming what we love. So now everybody's rushing to say, well, what do I love? We are to a large degree the sum of our loves and we will of moral necessity grow into the image of what we love most. Our loves changes us. Our loves molds us. Our loves transform us. What we love is prophetic of our future. It tells us of what we shall be. So what if I love my kids and my grandkids? What will I become? A really good dad? A really good grandpa? But what if I love power? According to Tozer, then what will I become? Controlling? What if I love money? Then what do I become? Greedy? Here's a good one. What if I love the sensual? Then what do I become? I like this one. What if I love Jesus? Then who do I become like? So here's what he says, directive number two. Don't let her heart lead you astray. Don't let your heart be drawn to her. You know what he's saying? You've got to guard your heart. What you let into those deepest chambers, you've got to be so careful about. What you love, what you care deeply about, you have got to guard all of that process. Directive number three, he says, stay away from the path. (laughs) You read the story? What's he doing? He's, He's walking down near her corner. He is walking on the street toward her house. What are you doing walking down the street toward her house? You know what she is. You know who she is. We know why you're down there. You're flirting with something. You're thinking about something. You're checking it out, aren't you? It's the idea that if I'm trying to not eat sweets anymore, I'm not going to buy my coffee at a donut shop. Or if I'm trying to quit drinking, I'm not going to get a sandwich at a bar. I mean, there's certain paths that I should just avoid. And let me tell you something, right now in your own life, most of us would say there is a path, Rick, that I should avoid. It is not a good path for me. And sometimes I go walking down that path and it's not healthy, I'll tell you. I'm looking for the wrong things. And the fourth directive, he says, is look at the many, the many, many, many who have fallen into her snare. I mean, just let that be a lesson to you. Just look at the many, many, many who have fallen into her stare, her snare. I, I think sometimes that when people find themselves in this kind of sin, they begin to think, wow, this is really special. I've never felt this way before. Um, I want to say it in a real kind way, but you're not special. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands have fallen for the same trick and felt the same way that you feel. Jesus says it this way Wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many find it. I mean, that's easy. Thousands have fallen for those old tricks. They're the best tricks the devil has, and he uses them all the time. And thousands have fallen. So, in light of our conversations over the last few weeks, let me ask you a question. What is the man doing? The young man? He's sinning. What's he sinning with? His body. So what if instead of using his body for sin, he used his body for practices of holiness? What if instead of practicing sin, he practiced holiness? What if he said, you know what I'm going to do with my body? I'm going to get it up on Sunday morning and I'm going to go to church. And I'm going to let my feet carry me in those doors, through those doors and down the aisle. And I'm going to set my body on a seat and I'm going to worship with my believer friends. Or what if I'm going to use my body to get up in the mornings and spend one-on-one time with God? Or what if I use my body to go somewhere and sit down with a smaller group of people and talk about my faith journey? Or what if I use my body to serve somebody else who really needs to be loved and served? Or what if I use my body to give? Or what if I use myself to share Jesus with people? What if I'm involved in those kinds of practices instead of practices of sin? So... Rick, I think I'm hearing you. You're saying that paths that we choose have predictable destinations. And the reason you want to tell us that is because we're all going to be tempted to choose a destructive path. And you're saying, here are the things that we can do. Now, why is it important that we do these things and avoid this? So let me talk to you about that. Once in a while, I get a phone call. And and I've been pastoring churches now for uh, how many years? 20, almost 30 years now. And many times my phone would ring, and here is what is said on the other end of the phone Pastor, I know you're busy, but we really need to see you. Can my spouse and I come to see you now? And when we get together, I sat with them and sometimes it's watching tears fall onto the carpet and that same kind of sin has been committed. And we begin to ask questions like where can we find hope? What can be salvaged? How can we find trust again? I remember one guy who was a pastor and he had... Cheated on his wife. There was a woman who seduced him. He gave in. He fell for her trick that's as old as Methuselah. And I remember saying to him, do you remember the darkest moment in all of this? And he said, oh yeah. Yeah. He was living in a very large city, and he said, one day I'm walking down the sidewalk, everything had hit the fan. Everybody knew. I'd lost my credentials. Life was just low. And in our city, there's a rail system. And the rail is just below me right here. I mean, I look over from the sidewalk, and there's the rail, and I notice a train is coming. And he said, Here's what I actually thought to myself. Maybe. Everybody would be better off, including me, if I just fell off the sidewalk in front of that train. And I stopped. And I looked at the train coming. And I'm contemplating taking my life. Do you hear Solomon's language? Like an ox going to the slaughter? He didn't know, Solomon said, that this was going to cost him his life. He didn't mean his actual physical life. He meant any kind of joy. He meant maybe the revenge of an angry spouse. What are you going to face? Okay. I was with a guy who was in his mid-20s this week. And he says to me, Pastor, you know, I've tried another way of living and it's not been good. I said, I'm glad you figured it out. Bless you. You know what he says? If I would have paid attention what God wants for my life, I could have saved myself a lot of mess. And and with this 20, mid-20 year old guy who is, you know, got a lot going for him these days, he and I agreed that God only says no when it's really bad for you. Somehow we get this idea that God does not want me to have a good life. He wants me to sit at home every Friday night, bored death, while the world is having a blast. Not so. The only reason God will ever say no to you is because it is going to bring you some real pain. It's the only reason. He's nuts about you. He wants the best for your life. He doesn't want to see you hurt and suffer. So, Last question, I'm done, I promise. Here we go. There's somewhere you want to be deep down in your heart. There's somewhere that you want to be. There really is. You've got this image of somewhere you want to be someday, okay? Here's the question. If that's where you want to be, all right, then why are you on a path that's going that direction? When you think about where you want to be someday... The path that you're on right now, will it take you there? Because direction determines destination every time. You agree? Okay, why don't we stand together, all right? So we're going to sing together, and and I want us to pray together too before we go and so this morning been a pretty pointed sermon please don't let the fact that the nature of the sermon is what it is don't let that keep you from coming to pray if you really feel like you want to come and pray and don't worry about what anybody else in the room is thinking about it's really none of their business okay it may be that you love somebody very much there's somebody in your life that you care about and, and they're on a very negative path, and you want to come and pray for them, you should do that today. I mean, I mean, I think this is one of those days where there like, ought to be lots of people coming to pray. Because many of us know people that we love very much who have chosen a very destructive path, and it's killing us to watch it. Some of you this morning have been hanging around the church for a while, and you wouldn't call yourself a committed follower of Jesus. But that is a path to choose. And some of you are coming to a place right now saying, I'm on a destructive path. And I really should be following Jesus. And I want to follow Jesus. And I think I'm ready today to make a commitment to follow Jesus. So I would say come and pray to be forgiven of sin. And experience this transformation of being born again and getting off the path you're on and getting on this other path to follow Him. If you want to be prayed for for healing, there will be pastors to pray for you on each side of the altar, about anything. If you want a pastor, just go to one of those pastors. And if one of those pastors are busy, other pastors, please come down and gather around. We're going to pray some today, okay? So if you want to come and pray, don't let anything keep you from it. Let's sing together.
0: All the way my savior Oh, the way my Savior leads me. Oh, the way show- Without you, oh, I'm lost without you. Let's continue the spirit of prayer. If you are here today, maybe you've not taking the opportunity to come. Do not walk out of these doors today without coming and talking with someone. Pastors are here to pray with you. Find someone else. We're in this journey together, becoming more like Christ. God bless you as you leave. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.